Man, y'all give it up for the band one more time. It's good stuff. We're taking care of business this morning, pun intended. How are y'all doing? Everybody good? Well, my name is Marshall Peterson, and I'm pumped to be with you. I'm actually on the group life team here at the bridge, and I get to serve at our Regal campus, but I love when I get to be here with my Sugarland family. Y'all are family. I love you guys. Now, listen. It's a special time of year. School's back, right? Thank God that our kids aren't eating all our groceries anymore. They're actually in school learning things. Uh, My kids actually just started. We're in Lamar uh, Consolidated, so we just started last Monday. And now I've got a sixth grader, I've got a fifth grader, and a second grader. And um, I I know, it's tough, y'all. They'll pray for me. And y'all who have older kids, y'all like, just wait. It's going to get way better, way better. But listen... Um, we just got through a six-week series on parenting called Arrows. Did y'all get a lot out of that? Man, I loved Arrows. Yeah, you can clap for it. It was good. Um, I don't think my kids will need as much therapy when they get older because of that series. And it was just in such an incredible series. And here's, um, you know, like I said, my kids just started school. And, and here's, <laughs> here's why I love America, okay? We got our problems. We're messed up. But here's why I love it. Because my kids were off for three months we go back one week, and it's like, you know what, y'all take another day off. It's, it's, been, it's been a difficult week. You take a day off tomorrow. Thank God for Labor Day. Um, and speaking of Labor Day, I mean, we have these awesome holidays in America. And Labor Day, though, I mean, it's, it's fun. Guys, it's September. August is over. It should be getting cold any day now. Um, Christmas, Christmas is practically here. I mean, you're going to start seeing Christmas stuff in, on the shelves. Let's, let's be honest with us. You know, it's like, oh, here's a pumpkin or two, Santa Claus. I mean, that's, that's what we're going to get. Um, but, you know, Labor Day is, is one of those holidays where I consider it, it's a, it's a third-tier holiday, okay? It kind of goes along with, with Veterans Day, uh, President's Day, MLK, you know, big holidays. You know, they're holidays for a reason. We celebrate them. But, you know, you don't really do much. We get a day off here and there, but we don't really have time to travel on these holidays. It's not like, like our second-tier holidays, where I'm thinking Thanksgiving, Halloween, and Fourth of July, right? We decorate our homes for these, holiday, for these holidays, and we might travel for these holidays. And then, of course, especially if you're in the, the Christian world, top-tier Christmas and Easter, right? Those are our top-tier holidays, okay? But we are, uh, we're here at Labor Day, and if you look at the calendar year, we've got Easter that's in the spring, and then we got Christmas, which is in the winter. And Labor Day is kind of like right in the middle of, of those two major holidays. And maybe you've, you're in here this morning and you're thinking, thank God it's September. I've had the longest year. It has been very challenging. It's been tricky. It's been difficult. And I can't wait for Christmas. I can't wait for October. I can't, I'm wishing this, this heat away. I can't wait for it to get cold. I can't wait for Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And then we can start it, this whole thing over January one and make resolutions and just give it another go. 2020. That's my year. We've given up. We've given up on 2019. We're like, ah, I mean, it's history. Let's get out of here. But we kind of get in this mode and this method of just wanting to wish it away. And that's the question I want to ask you today. I mean, do you ever wish away moments because listen, I, I know, especially, you know, speaking of school, when I was in school, I wished away every moment that I was there. Like 3.30 was a big deal in my mind. I was thinking, oh, come on, let's just get through second period, third period, fourth period. Let, it's Monday, oh, let's get to Friday, Friday fun day. Now, I did okay in school, but I, I preferred, you know, sports, parties, and girls. That, I didn't care about the learning part of school. I was ready to get to the weekend. 
And I just would wish all these moments away. And then, and then I graduated. Y'all, I made it through Nacogdoches High School. It was tough. And then I went to the best college in Texas, Stephen F. Austin State University. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Believe it. Okay? And then, and then I thought, you know, I'm in college. I have a little more freedom. I'm, I'm doing my thing. And then, you know, college, it costs money. You know, the state of Texas doesn't pay for it. And so you're, you're going through and you're just thinking, Man, I got to get out of here. And so then I would find myself wishing like semesters away. You know, I'm one week into school and I'm like, man, I can't wait for the spring. This is, I do not like these classes. And so, you know, it took me, um, you know, under a decade to get through college. So that's good. And I'm, I'm not a doctor either. But I got through it. I met my wife. You know, we got married. We got jobs. We started getting paid a little bit. And then, you know, I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm done wishing my life away. I can start living. I've arrived, y'all. And then we started having kids. And when you have kids, it, just, it changes again. You start to, to get in those modes of where you start wishing stuff away. Now, my babies aren't babies anymore, okay? I mean, they're, they're young, but they're not babies anymore. When they're babies, okay, parents, you know what I'm talking about. Whether you, I, I see my baby right over there. Not my baby. That's your baby. But... But you have babies, and, and there's something like in your mind where as, as parents with young children, you cannot wait to get them to go to sleep. It's been a long day. You're doing bottles. You're doing diapers. You're trying to figure out, what's wrong with you? Why won't you stop crying? And then you're just thinking, oh, but I can't wait till you go to sleep. Because when they go to sleep, it's nighttime. It's adult time. Okay? And when my babies were babies, that's when me and Shannon were popping in the DVD for Lost. For 24. I mean, we're binging these shows. We couldn't, we couldn't just tell Netflix, yes, we're still watching. We actually had to change the disc, okay? Streaming was not available. And so we, would, could, we couldn't wait until they went to bed. And then next thing you know, we're looking at Facebook, and it's like, oh, seven years ago, and you see your baby. It's like, you're not, a, you're not a baby anymore. You still smell weird, but you're not a baby anymore. What happened? And how do you fix the smell? But we think, man, what happened? where did the years go? The years just fly by. And you look at your babies, and, and, and they're, just, they're grown now. And I mean, I, I specifically remember telling Shannon, I cannot wait for the elementary phase. I'm tired of this baby phase. I'm tired of the bottles. I'm tired of the diapers. I'm tired of the constant crying. I'm ready to move on. Because with our third child, it got to a point when, when she would wake up in the night, I would get up. I would, I would change her, get her out of the crib. I would make her bottle, you know, test it, make sure the, the milk was warm. And then I would feed her, uh, burp her, put her back down, and then I would wake up the next morning and not recall doing a thing. She made it, y'all. She's with us, okay? She's fine. She's, she's with us. She's doing okay in school. Not as good as the other two, but she's making it, okay? But I would just wish those moments away. And so you got to think, like, do I do that? Do, do I wish moments away. And I'm, listen, I'm not talking about the painful moments. That's natural. We want, we, want, we want to get through those. I'm talking about your normal, ordinary, mundane moments where you're just wishing those away. I'm talking about your math class moments. I'm talking about your traffic moments, your grocery list moments, your running errands moments where you're just it's your job, you're in your cubicle, knowing this isn't your dream job, and you're about to, you're just wishing the day away. You're wishing away the, the, the 
conversation that you got to go have with somebody that you don't want to have it with, and you're talking about something you don't want to talk about, you are just wishing it away. You're talking about, I can't wait for Friday. I can't wait six weeks from now because I'm going on vacation. I can't wait. And I think we can all relate to this. I mean, listen, it's football season, y'all, okay? Like, football light started yesterday, but real football starts next Sunday, okay? Now, here's my problem. I'll be at the dinner table, and my leg will start shaking, just going, all right, let's get through these highs and lows, y'all. How was your day? Was it fine? Good, because the game's about to come on. I need to watch it. I need to watch people that I don't know that are ultimately going to disappoint me here in a couple months, but I got to get to the game. And I'm wishing moments, dinner moments away. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't want to, you know, let this, hurry up. What, what was good? What was bad? Come on, the, the game is starting. I got I to get there. And I mean, listen, I'm conf- this is kind of a confessional for me, y'all, so thank you for being here. Um, because we like those moments, right? Games are exciting. We want the fun moments. We want the big moments. We want the sexy moments. We want the electric moments. We want the moments that, that just take our breath away that we're creating memories, I mean, Monday, uh, Tuesday, uh, Friday, yes. And we made it to Labor Day, uh, Halloween, okay, Thanksgiving, Christmas, the Lord is with us. Praise Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And we just, we can't wait to get there. Now, I, I struggle with this. I don't do well with the mundane moments. I don't do well with the ordinary moments. My wife, Shannon, she thrives on Mondays. She thrives. I'll come in, and she's got her planner out. She's writing down doctor's appointments. She's writing down, you know, kids, you know, test days. What do we need to do for homework? She's making out the grocery list. You know, everything that you need to do. And I'm just over here going, boring, right? When are we going to hang out with people? When when are we going to, what party are we going to next? Is there somebody who has a birthday coming up? And she's just like, well, let's talk about this week. And I'm like, what, what do you got going on later this week? Like, I don't know. Like, well, what day are you picking the kids up? I don't know. Like, well, don't you have a meeting with so-and-so later in this week? Like, girl, I don't know. Let's just, let's just what are we doing this fun next? When, when are we going to hang out with people? And then we'll get into those conversations where it's like, you know, she'll tell me, she's like, we're just, we're doing too much. We need to slow down. Let's, let's, it's okay to say no to certain people. I'm like, no, it's not. We, we've got to be with people. We are investing in people. These people need Jesus, and we've got to hang out with them. And she'll say, they already know Jesus. We're staying in tonight. (sighs) Fine. (laughs) But that's kind of what our culture does. I mean, we we live in this hyperspeed culture where we think, I've got to be a part. FOMO is a real thing, isn't it? Old people, FOMO means fear of missing out. That we don't want to miss. We've got, we, would, we can't wait to go on the next coffee date. We can't wait to go on the le- next lunch date. We can't wait for the next birthday party. And so when somebody comes back to us to say, no, go back to your desk and work, we're just like, ah, I want to work. I want to, I want to dance. I want to sing. I just want to be me. Shut up and get to work. Yeah, all right. Right? And we just, we get bored with the ordinary. We, we don't think that there's any life in the everyday routine. And that's a problem because, let's be honest, the majority of our lives are made up of the ordinary days, aren't they? The majority of our time is getting through that routine. So the question is, how do we still have purpose in these moments? How do we still have mission? How do we still feel that we're living life 
every single day that we don't have to wait for Christmas. We don't have to wait for Easter, but that we can actually live on Labor Day. That we can thrive on Labor Day. And the verses I want to share with you today are coming from Luke 2. All right, Now Luke 2, uh, Luke 1, and, and the first part of Luke 2, they've talked about the birth of Jesus. And we've talked about Jesus, baby Jesus. We love baby Jesus. But these verses that I'm going to share with you today speak to the ordinary lifestyle. The quote-unquote boring everyday routine that we have to get through. So we're talking about Jesus. He's just been born and then he starts to live. So y'all look at Luke 2.40. He says, there the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. So pretty much a, a pretty typical dude uh, explanation of a childhood. Like, well, how was your childhood? Well, you know, I, I was born and I was pretty healthy. And uh, I learned some stuff and I trusted God. That's it, right? But, but that's all we get. Okay, so now we've, this is Jesus 0 to 12. Because then we get another little glimpse of Jesus when he's 12. And he's talking to religious leaders and he's wowing people. They're like, who is this, who is this wonder child? But then... We get a, two verses that describe Jesus in his life from age 12 to 30. Here's what they say. It says, Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Now, look at, keep this verse up for a second. Because we get 0 to 12 and then 12 to 30, and then 30 is when Jesus began his ministry. And that's where we see about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see about how he ministered to people, how he you know, claimed that he was the son of God, and then he died on the cross, and that's where we get that. But from age 12 to 30, 0 to 12 and 12 to 30, I mean, this is all we get. But do you, did you notice something? In 240, it said that he had favor with God. And then in 252, it says he had favor with God. Now, that's, that's important. That's repeated. When you're reading the Bible, when you're reading Scripture and something is repeated, it's trying to show you something. It's getting your attention. It wants you to understand something. It wants you to see something. It wants you to understand. It wants you to investigate further. And so here we see that he had the favor of God. Now, why is this significant? Because Jesus is arguably the most popular human in the history of our earth. Whether you believe that he's the Son of God or not, he is the most popular human, the most written about human in the history of the earth. And all we get is three verses about his life. Zero to 12, we get one. And then 12 to 30, we get two verses. So we don't, we don't hear a lot, but we see that he had the favor of God. Now listen, aren't there parents in the room that would love to see teenage Jesus? Like, why don't we get teenage Jesus? Because we got, you know, parents in here saying, listen, kids, gather around. Let's see what teenage Jesus would have done in this moment. You see how he listened? You see how he did his homework before he had screen time? Do you see how he was respectful? Do you see how he took care, taking care of business? We don't get teenage Jesus. But what we get is that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. So what do we need to know? That he had favor in these years. That he was this normal Jewish boy who grew up submitting to his parents, 
that his, his mother stored all these things in her heart, that she loved her, her son, that he would have taken on his father's job. His father was a carpenter, so Jesus would have worked with wood. He would have, he would have just grown and done well, but that's all we get. We think, well, and again, what Luke is telling us here is like, all you need to know from age 0 to 12 and 12 to 30 is that he had favor with God. And you got to think, well, hold on now. Hold on. Wait a minute. Now, he couldn't have had that much favor because, I mean, we would have heard about it. Well, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, if you have favor, you, you hear about it. You, you can see it. Well, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, you can see it. You can see what he's wearing. You can see what he's driving. You know, you can see how many followers he has. I mean, he got 100 likes on his photos. Teenagers are like, 100 likes in the first minute. That's the favor of God. Like, we know the favor of God when we see it. We know the favor of God when we can, when we can tell. Like, man, their life is blessed. And when we think somebody has a blessed life or a favorable life, we get kind of skeptical if we can't see it. I mean, you might be talking to somebody and they're thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing very well right now. Man, I'm happy. When I wake up, I have joy. And you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, well, what's your job? Well, I'm in between jobs right now. Well, you better pray for some favor because if you don't have God's favor unless you got a job and you're working yourself up. I just have a lot of peace right now. Wait, what? You have peace? I just heard you got dumped. She dropped you like a bad habit. Yeah, but I'm, I've got peace about it. Well, you better ask the Lord for some favor because unless you're married— that's the only time you have favor. And we think like, man, we have to see it. We have to feel it. Yet Luke says that Jesus had favor in between Christmas and Easter. In the days between Christmas and Easter, he has favor. Now, we know that he had favor on Christmas. We know that he had favor on Easter, and that's what we shoot for. That's the moments that we want. We want Christmas. I wish we could have Christmas every day which wouldn't be Christmas. Well, if I can't have Christmas, I want Easter. And we just want our lives to be filled with these glorious moments that, that proves that we have the favor and blessing of God. Because if we don't, then, then we obviously are out of, out of favor with God. We don't have blessing with God. And we'll even find ourselves having these conversations. We might not mean to do this, but we'll have these conversations and say, you know what, I'm going to pray for favor on your life. I'm going I'm to pray for favor. And what we mean when we say that is that, man, I hope you get that car. Man, I hope, I hope you meet the right one. I hope you get that promotion. I hope, I hope you get that house. Now, listen, I'm not saying that I won't meet up with you and pray for the right person to walk into your life. I'm more than happy to pray for a marriage for you. You want, you know, you want the right one? Let's pray for him. Let's pray for him. You want a car? I'll pray for your truck. What kind of truck you want? You want a Ford? You want a Dodge? Let's Dodge it is. God, give him a Dodge Ram. You want, you want that promotion? I'm happy to pray that. But since when is that how we define favor with God? When only we have these things. Only when we can see these things. That's not how Luke really described favor in the life of Jesus as he was growing up. He says that he has favor with God and with men. So we constantly are just are, are trying to strive for these things, yet that's not really what we see. And so I think what we have to do is that we, need, we might need to redefine what favor is. 
We might need to define what it means to have blessing from God. Because I know so many of us in here, we think like, well, man, I've got I've to have, have this in order to know that, that God is with me. I've got to have that. And, I mean, it's, I need a Christmas moment. I need an Easter moment. And Labor Day, I mean, listen, I'm just surviving. I'm, I'm barely getting through. I'm, going through. I'm going through something. I'm going through a trial. God is not with me on Labor Day because I'm, I'm, I've got to get through some stuff. And I ask, well, how do you know God's not with you? Because I'm at the same job and I hate it. And God isn't, just doesn't seem to be moving in my life. And we just think, man, um, that's not really what it, that's not really what we're talking about, the favor of God here. Because the essence of having favor with God, the essence of having a blessing with God that Luke's talking about in the life of Jesus is that God was with Jesus. He walked with Jesus throughout his life. It wasn't like he showed up when Jesus was born and then he showed up when Jesus was talking to the temple leaders when he was 12 and then when he's walking in the desert battling with Satan. No, no, no. He said he had the favor of God. He had the presence of God throughout his life in between Christmas and Easter. He had God with him on Monday, on Labor Day, that God was with him. And so when we read about the life of Jesus in the Gospels, we can see our lives and what that looks like. Now, here's what I mean when I say that, is that God was with Jesus. And when we are with Jesus, what, what that looks like is that Jesus took our place. Is that I me? Mean, Jesus took our sins. He took our errors, our mistakes. He put that on himself. And in one brief moment of trust, in belief in Jesus, we now trade our sin and our errors and our mistakes for his holiness, for his righteousness, for his love, for his relationship with God. And here's what that looks like. Now we live that out. Y'all look at, at 1 John 4.17. He says, and as we live in God, our love grows, grows more perfect so we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because, this is a big because, we live like Jesus here on earth. That means that, look, look what it says, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Why would, why would we be afraid of the day of judgment? Well, it was because of the sin in our life. But yet, when we have our faith in Jesus, we are now hidden in Christ. And let me speak a little more to that. This is in Galatians 2. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. What he's talking about is that sinful past. Those errors, those mistakes, those disobedience to God has been crucified on the cross with Christ and I no longer live. But, that's a big but, Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That is a huge verse. I would take a picture of that, highlight it in your Bible app, memorize it this week. Because you realize that when you put your faith in Jesus, you become one with him. That you are no longer living in that sin. And because you have, because Jesus had favor in, the, in between Christmas and Easter, now you have favor on Monday. You have favor on Labor Day. You have favor throughout your life. Just as God had favor on Jesus when he was 14, 18, 23, 28, he has favor 
on your life, no matter what kind of season that you're in. Because we don't have to fear judgment anymore. Because that sin has been crucified. Now, what does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? Y'all look at this. 2 Corinthians. It says, for our sake, for us, he made him to be sin. He's talking about Jesus. Made him to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus, he didn't mess up. The, the, the years that he had favor with God, he didn't disobey God once. That's a, that's a question you can answer to anybody. Well, how many times did Jesus mess up? Zero. He has zero sin in his life. So he did not know sin. Yet it says God made him to be sin. So that, why did he have to do that? In him we might become the righteousness of God. That we can switch places of our sinful, disobedient lives. That we now have righteousness. We now have holiness. We now have right standing with God. And this answers the question, well, why did Jesus have to die? I mean, why? why? Why did he have to go through that pain? Why did he have to do that? Here's the answer. Because God is a just God. He sees the sin. He sees the disobedience. And he knows that that requires punishment. That requires consequence. Paul tells us in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. What is a wage? It's something that you earn. What is that wage? It's death because of sin. And I'm not just talking about a physical death. This is an eternal separation from God. That's that wage. So what God does, he needed a sacrifice. He needed to pay that debt. We have a debt of death, eternal death because of our sin. And so God says, I'm going to pay the bill. Through my son who doesn't know sin, I'm giving it to you so that we have favor, we have relationship with God. Now, I want to tell you something. It may be hard for you to understand, but you need to hear it this morning, okay? You are God's favorite. Yours favorite. Because when he looks at us and we put our faith in Jesus, you know what he sees? He sees the perfection of his son. So when he looks at you, hey, that's my boy. That, oh, that's my girl. I love her. That is my favorite. Now, you may be looking at this going, all right, look, if I'm his favorite, how can you be his favorite? And then she can be his favorite. I get the skepticism, but relax. I'm going to explain it to you. Think about the only way I can explain this phenomenon is my relationship with my kids. I have three babies, and every single one of them, Believes in their soul that they are my favorite. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter which one it is. My little baby Zoe will go, Daddy. And she'll look at me, even though she just, you know, spilled something on the carpet. Daddy, I'm your favorite, aren't I? You were my favorite seven-year-old girl, right? But I tell them, you know, the, the truth is, is that my favorite is whichever one I'm with. Because there's something that's just overwhelming when you are in the presence of your child. And you just love them. I mean, I remember when we had Noah. He's our oldest. And I was just thinking, oh, I just I love this kid so much. I didn't realize that this love was available to me. I didn't know what it was. And so when we got pregnant with our second Noel, I felt bad because I was like, there ain't no way I'm going to love that baby as much as this baby. I, love, I, I don't have room. It's almost scandalous, the love that I have for this baby. There's no way that I can love another baby. And then that second baby was born, baby Noel. And I was like, oh, my God. 
you know. <laughs> Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You have one baby, and it's like, oh, this love is just overwhelming. And then you have the second baby, and your heart whoop, grows a little bit. And then you have that third baby, whoop, heart grows a little bit. Then you have a fourth baby, and God's like, no one to stop. <laughs> I'm kidding. We love those fourth babies and those fifth babies. See you, Noblets. <laughs> We have love, and here's, here's what you need to know, is that God has room for all his favorites. God has room. Now, what does it mean? What does it mean to be God's favorite? It means that you're chosen, that you are handpicked, that you are specifically designed for a purpose, for a mission, that God is with you, that he's never going to leave you, that he's never going to forsake you, that he's never going to, to abandon you, but he is with you. You are his favorite. No matter what season you're going through, no matter what life throws at you, you can know, man, even though this is going on, I'm God's favorite. And listen, we do go through life, don't we? I mean, in between Christmas and Easter does happen. And I know for me... Um, you know, I, I was on staff here for 10 years doing student ministry, and I said, I, I'm going to leave, leave the staff. And I went to teach middle schoolers. Listen, I'm, I don't know why, okay? But it wasn't long after I left that I was thinking, oh, man, that might have been a bad idea. And so I started praying. Talked to Scott and said, hey, I don't know how it's going to work. I know it's only been like two months, but can I come back, please? And time went on. And God grew me, and the next thing you know, I, I mean, here I am. And you would say, well, how did that happen? I would tell you, because I'm, I'm God's favorite. He loves me. He's for me. He knows what passion or what, what path he has for my life. He knows what he's gifted me with. He knows what, what, what talents he has. And, and I know you might be looking at me like, man, that's a great story. But that's not my story. My life's not working out right now. It, it doesn't seem to be the favor of God on my life. And I will never stop trying to convince you that God is for you, that God loves you, that God does have favor on your life, even in the tough seasons, even in the labor days, that I'm gonna pray for favor and blessing for the rest of 2019 and into 2020. And it's not that I'm praying for a car or a house. I hope that happens, that'd be incredible. But what I'm hoping and praying for the favor on your life is deep-rooted peace and joy no matter what is happening in your life. Because that is the, what, what it means to have the favor of God, the overwhelming awareness of the presence of God in your life. Because the confidence that you now have, the peace that you now have, knowing that God is with you, knowing that you're his favorite, I mean, it, it's, it, even when something, I mean, imagine when something tricky comes your way. Something comes your way and, it, and it's just the world would say, oh, man, that's, that's, that's rough. That's bad luck. That you say, well, you know what? I'm still favored. And the enemy knows I'm favored. And he's trying to mess with me. He's trying to throw me off my game because he sees the, the overwhelming presence of God in my life. And I'm going to be okay. I don't know how, but I'm God's favorite. And he's going to work it out somehow. And then you've got those friends that are kind of like looking at you. You're like, oh, okay. You need to, um, you sure your favorite? Because it's been three years and um, it's not getting any better. 
And then you fast forward to seven years and they're saying, okay, I'm your friend and I'm telling you this because I love you. You're not favored. You keep saying you're favored, but it's been seven years. Seven what? Insignificant years. Quiet years. Boring, mundane years. Here's the thing. If you're in that season, do you know who can relate to that? God. Absolutely. God relates to that 100%. Because listen, God can do anything. He could have showed up and said, all right, I see this problem of sin. Boom, everybody saved. All right, everybody get in the bus. Next stop, heaven. Let's roll. He didn't do that. Instead, there's a baby that was born in Bethlehem. Went to Egypt for a few years and then Nazareth for 30. Think it's been a long time since your miracle? You're, you're waiting for a miracle? God knows what it's like. Yet he still said Jesus had favor. And here's how we really know that Jesus had favor, okay? Because when Jesus started his ministry, like he's starting to get some traction, he's, he's calling, calling his followers, and he's getting his team together, and even some of them were skeptical because of how ordinary he was. Look at this, look at this when he's calling Philip and Nathaniel. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said, we have found him. We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And look at what Nathanael says. He said, it says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, just come and see. Now, this is funny. Because even his own followers, like, really? I mean, that's like when you look at me, like, you're from Knack? Okay. Great town. But listen, here's why that's funny. And here's why that's interesting. And here's how we know that Jesus led an ordinary life. He was from Nazareth. Nathaniel was from Cana. Do you know how far Cana is from Nazareth? Eight miles. And so if we were to interview Nathaniel and say, okay, what do you think of Jesus the Messiah? He's from Nazareth. I don't know anybody from Nazareth. Uh, but it's Jesus. Don't know him. He's been here 30 years. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, he's unheard of. You're telling me that Jesus' reputation can't travel eight miles in 30 years? That doesn't make sense. But I know some of us can relate to that, can't we? Say, you know what? I'm, oh, I'm favored? Nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows where I am, and I live right around the corner. Oh, I'm favored? Well, nobody comes up to me and says, great job. You're really gifted here. You're really talented there. Nobody even notices I'm invisible. Oh, I'm favored? Jesus went through the same thing. But let me tell you something. God can do more in three years than we can in 30 in our own strength. God will come in, in your life and completely flip it. God's timing is perfect. And so many times we just wish moments away. We're just like, I just can't wait for Christmas. Can't wait to get through this Labor Day season. God's like, I got something for you. And I mean, what is God telling us about himself? He's showing us how he works. He's showing us how he operates. He's showing us that, listen, maybe, maybe this needs to be our mindset this Labor Day weekend. Slow down. Rest. Take a break. 
Stop trying to captain your own ship. Stop trying to wave your own personal banner, trying to get everybody's attention so that they notice you. And just slow down and allow God to do his thing. Allow God to work. I mean, because imagine what that could look like. Where we take the approach of just saying, man, I know I'm not really heard of right now, but man, God's working in my life. Imagine the confidence that you walk into work with. Walk at your home where the biggest thing that you do in the favor of God is maybe you do the dishes that night. And that's what God would have for you. Because in the ordinary mundane moments, God said that Jesus has my favor. So what, what if we believed that? What if we took that and actually lived that out in our lives? Where we say, you know what, when life throws, throws a bunch of stuff at me, I'm going to be okay. Because I'm God's favorite. I didn't get that job, must mean God's got a better job with better pay ready for me. I didn't, I, I didn't get that girl or get that guy, that just means God's protecting me, and he's got somebody way better. And I, I mentioned him a, a few weeks ago, my uncle, uh, he has stage four cancer, and he just turned 70 yesterday. And so I sent him a text, and, and you know, he, he, he just tells me, he's like, and I said, man, it's going to be a great year. And here's how I know that, because when he talks to me, he says, you know what, it's a win-win for me. Because my next birthday, I'm either going to celebrate what God did in the last year, or I'm going to be celebrating with Jesus himself. That's a win-win. What if our mentality was that God has favored me, even in the tricky times? Because listen, I love being favored on Christmas and Easter, but I need to be favored in the ordinary. I need to be favored in some Monday in October. I need Jesus in the ordinary. I need Jesus in his grace and his presence in between Christmas and Easter. I need that. So what if we started to believe that? You know, Paul tells us that God works all things together for, for good for those who love him. You know why? Because we're God's favorite. God is always working. And here's the best part. We don't have to do it alone. We don't just have to sit in our homes and go, I believe, I believe. You don't have to do that. What if we live that way in community? Where you look around and you say, man, there's, there's people here who are going some, through some things too. And that's why we're making such a big push right now to join a small group. Because listen, if you're in small group and you've been through the rough times, you know how vital and critical having other, another group of, of Christ followers around you to encourage you, to, to build you up, to challenge you, to remind you of who God is. Because when you're constantly hearing that, no matter what life is throwing at you, you finally come to the conclusion of, you know what? I am favored. God does love me. God does have a plan for my life. I am favored by the creator of the universe. That can happen in community. That's why Denise Baez, you know, group life director, and me over at Regal, and so many small group leaders gather together to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. Because when you see other people's view and what God has done in other people's lives, how he's led them through, through trials and given them victories, you start to see like, man, I'm going to be okay. I am going to be okay, because I've got a team and I've got a God that so loves me that he gave his only son. And all I have to do is believe. And I get relationship with the God of the universe. That community just opens that up. Small groups, man, I'm 
you're missing out if you're not involved in one. I mean, if you're in group already, how can you take your group to the next level? And if you're not in a group, man, take a chance. you got booklets in your seats. Even just ask us a question. Just investigate it a little bit. Because that statement is so true. Life is better together. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you.